You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome back to Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. And we are fully in to the offseason for Chicago. Um, I know some other teams, as in Kansas City, they are not thinking draft yet whatsoever. Um, The Eagles are not thinking draft at the moment, but pretty much every team, I think, outside of those two at this point are looking at the draft. And I think even here in Jacksonville, who played in the divisional round, they just started this week getting into their draft talk, I've heard, but they haven't um, had as much time looking into it as we have here we are on what this is our fifth i think it's fourth pretty much, or fifth yeah. draft talk episode yeah, um so like i think it's like been like a what like almost it feels like it's been a month since the regular season ended but it's yeah. only been like what three weeks something like that yeah so I guess well it's like a month, and so. yeah because i think the last i don't know it was like the ninth or something i can't yeah. remember at this point but it's february 1st and we are now what does that give us like two oh less than three months away from the nfl draft it's such a long time i know it's, um I but it will be, be here so fast right? because yeah. right now I, I saw something yesterday uh, rich eisen i think it was who who He's having Justin Fields on next Thursday, by the way. So if anyone wants to listen to that, I'm sure it'll be some interesting stuff on there. Uh, But he was kind of just going into detail about how it's going to be a rough few months for Justin Fields because there's going to be all of these things of people saying he shouldn't be kept. Like he needs to be traded. Bryce Young's better. CJ Stroud's better. better. They're better passers. They're better this. And he was pretty much saying like, Justin Fields doesn't need to worry about that because he does think that he is the quarterback for the Bears, but he's going to be hearing a lot of chatter. Sometimes it's not easy when you're being told that, like, you are not as good as somebody else, especially when you just someone like Justin who just worked his ass off all season to even, like, try to keep us afloat at all. Um, But I kind of liked it, so I'm interested to hear that, hear Justin talk to him and just see, you know, like Justin's feelings of this offseason. We know Justin, just from talking to his high school coach, is very competitive and puts things on himself sometimes that are not on him. So I'm sure he's kind of looking at a season as a whole and is a little bummed that they only won three games and I'm sure at times blames himself for that. But I also think Justin's the kind of guy that knows he's good. Yeah, and I think something else, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I think it was probably sometime, definitely within the last month, the last few weeks, whatever it's been, there was a clip on the Rich Eisen show of, like, one of his, like, side guys was saying, like, oh, what do you guys think about the idea of, you know, trading fields and then going after a guy like Bryce Young? And he's just like, and Rich Eisen and then one of the other guys was just like, why the hell would you do that? Yeah. Justin Fields. Like, why? And then, like, the other guy was just like, I actually think they should do that. And he's just like, that's such a stupid thing to say. Yeah. And lo and behold, the month later, Justin Fields is going on a show. So yeah. like, maybe that has something to do there's with that. There's a little connection You'd there. think there's a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, he's like, I'll talk to you. <laughs> yeah, you're someone that I know is, you know, we're going to get along with. But Well, and speaking of that, obviously one of the, the news, I guess you can say news that broke, is news. 
Albert Breer came out and said that the Bears are moving forward with Justin Fields and they're looking to trade down from that number one pick. I could have told you that in the middle of the season. You know? <laughs> I know. I was just, but we just had all this stuff. Warren Sapp comes out, it's stirs just, up all this drama that he heard from inside the Bears organization. What is, he, what is Warren they, Sapp now? <laughs> That's what I was like. like where are you coming from to come and like break some sort of did news he like go to that? Like jail for something? He's not like he's not yeah, the guy. Not that reliable. You know, uh, yeah, he's just I don't Clearly. know. Yeah, exactly. And like that's the thing too. Like, you got have all these former players have been the ones being like the Bears should trade him. Like Lashawn McCoy is another yeah. one. Like anyone that works for Fox Sports on those debate shows. I don't care what you Their have to takes say. are a little it's, wild. It's just, they're, it's very they're just getting out hot takes. Yeah. They're just getting out hot takes. Because and they know people will comment. They know people yeah. will retweet yeah. and respond yeah. and talk about it on their yeah. podcast. Exactly. Because that's yeah. what like, it is. That's what we're doing right now. And yeah. Like, it's just pretty much self-promotion, you know? Yeah. And, so, and, and I get it because if I was in a world where I wasn't covering a particular team, the best way to get interaction is to have hot takes. Yeah. You know? And, and, that, and, or continue. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, th- I mean, there's times on Helmets and Heels that sometimes I probably say stuff that people like think is me just di- trying to like get it you know rile people up for example rewind to last year around this time in jacksonville and they were hiring urban meyer everybody here was excited except for me and a lot of people were like you're just saying that because you want like people to comment on your post i was like no i hate him like yeah, i truly hate he them sucks. and he's not a good person yeah and that's and shown so now it looks right but at the time people thought i was crazy um but some people truly do it just for those clicks for that attention and when you're a media outlet that is competing when you're a place like fox sports competing with all of these other outlets including nfl network espn all of these things and and now all the podcasts now you think that the best way to be successful is grab a player and have them say something crazy. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like as much as people like to talk about sports and like the sport coverage of sports is a business and it's mm-hmm. just like the more clicks you get, the more advertisers you get, the more advertisers you get, the more money you get. Yeah. So like at the end of the day, like that's what those guys are doing. And I think something else that kind of always really bothers me is like, especially when you have a really bad team, like the Bears suck this year. Yeah. And I'm, per- I'm I'd say a bigger NFL fan than the average fan. I watch a lot of games that don't involve my team. I didn't watch like any Texans games this year. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch like a lot of Cardinals games this year. I didn't watch a lot of, you know, a lot of the other teams that are like were terrible. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a national uh, host, unless you're a Bears fan, you have absolutely no reason week to week to watch, watch the Bears. Watch the Bears, yeah. And like it wasn't an exciting thing to really well, do they for did, a while. We did still have five primetime games. Yeah, so they was, don't have that much yeah. of an excuse. But like I would say like for me, it's just like a lot of those times, Justin Fields, like the highlights they're seeing were Justin Fields run for 60 yards. Yeah. They, they weren't, weren't seeing, seeing the game They weren't to seeing game. Bayless Jones dropping a great pass from yeah. Justin. Or they weren't seeing, you know, all the great small things he was doing. It's just like, yeah, this guy can clearly pass the ball and be an effective quarterback at the NFL level. And they'd just be like, well, yeah, but like, can he throw the ball? It's yeah. just like, he's I looked so at the good at throwing the ball. And I watched the highlights in the morning and all he did was run. And I'm like, ah, but you missed the you missed, 60 like, yard pass exactly. to, that was dropped. Or yeah. you missed Darnell Mooney, the pass to Darnell Mooney. Or who was it on the one? This Dante Pettis, I think, was the one on the sideline that was just like, he kind of shoot him to go. He was, he was kind yeah. of changed the play yeah. as he was running and threw it. I think it was Pettis. Um, but then the Darnell Mooney one, which everyone was going crazy over Devonta Smith's who didn't catch it. Yeah. And Darnell Mooney made that catch exact catch almost yeah. to a T earlier in the season. Um, but they don't talk about those ones. Yeah, they like, want to talk about the running and how he can't throw because it's easy to Google in the morning and be like, there's box score. And yeah, you look at it and he threw 20 times Completed 
16 of 20, yeah, yeah, 15 of 20, and for 140 yards, yards and a touchdown, and you're like, okay, that looks like it sucks, but what you didn't see is the reason all of it led to those things. Yeah. Um, But Dylan, the reason we're here today, obviously, is to continue to talk about the NFL draft, but also Senior Bowl is going on right now, and so obviously we are not there, but with technology the way it is now we're seeing constant videos we've seen a ton of offensive linemen defensive linemen um their battles and size charts and all of that stuff their measurables and we've seen that this week today we just started really kind of hearing about some of the wide receivers and seeing some of those clips um so this is just a moment where you get to know some of the guys maybe you didn't know by name before um but we're going to talk to ryan roberts he is an nfl draft analyst for Rise and Draft and Rise and Draft Scouting. Um, so this guy's obviously this is his world <laughs> is looking at guys like this coming out of college and um, scouting them and kind of figuring out what they're good at, what they're bad at, who are some of the maybe like guys we haven't really heard names from. Um, he, if you look at his Twitter, it's right now clip after clip after clip of just offensive linemen pretty much which is cool because that's obviously one of the positions we want to look at but I want it before we get to that interview in just a minute I wanted to read this thing so the athletic wrote an article and it got sent to me I think yesterday so the 2017 Bears staff didn't take so I there was the 2017 Bears also had coaches that were coaching in the senior bowl Um, so this article was kind of talking about that and how they need to use that as an advantage this year as in because Getzy obviously is there. Um, so the 2017 Bears staff didn't take great advantage of coaching the Senior Bowl. The Bears drafted only one player from the game that year, offensive lineman Jordan Morgan. Who? Nobody knows because exactly. he never played an NFL game. Um, by coach now, obviously Getzy, Polk, Zets, they all can learn about the players and the other coaches, and they can relay that to Poles and Cunningham, obviously. Um, things like how do they learn the playbook? What kind of player is he at practice? Where are some of his greatest strengths, and where do you see him, where do you see him as a person? Because those things are important. And when we, when we talk to Joe Marino, that's one of the things that he mentioned is, like, they're humans also. So this whole process of the offseason is not only saying, yeah, this guy can catch the ball, but is he going to be a good teammate? Is he going to be a leader? Is he going to be able to learn this playbook? Is he going to take in what you teach him and what you're coaching him? So those are all of the things that they can take advantage of right now in the Senior Bowl, us having a coach there coaching. Um, but one interesting thing is last year the Bears drafted four players who participated at the Senior Bowl. Bayless, Braxton, Dominique Robinson, and Joe Tyree Carter. Um, so for a small says for small school players like Jones and Carter, their performance against top competition likely put them on Paul's radar. That's that probably helped Braxton Jones so much. And thankfully, like those are the guys that we're going to look at in the future and be like, they noticed them at the senior bowl last year. And this kid went to a small school and now we're sitting here and he's the starting left tackle for the Chicago bears because of what he was able to do at the senior bowl and stand out. And obviously I'm sure the combine and measurables and all of those things started helping later down the road, but this is where it starts for a lot of these guys. Um, so it, It'll be really interesting to talk to Ryan, just see some of these guys that he thinks are standing out because we've talked a lot about Will Anderson. We've talked a lot about Jalen Carter. We've talked about um, Brzee at this point, and we've talked about some of JSN and some of the wide receivers, but there's a billion names right now that are floating around, and some of these guys I never even heard of. Um, 
So it'll be interesting. So we'll get to the interview with Ryan Roberts from the Rise and Draft, and then we'll just recap that a little bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, now we are joined by Ryan Roberts. He's the NFL draft analyst for Rise and Draft. You can find him on Twitter at Rise, the letter N, Draft. Um, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. We're super excited. Obviously, for Chicago Bears fans, this is a very exciting offseason, probably the most exciting offseason we've had um, ever, at least in my lifetime ever, because there's just so many, so many possibilities with what is going on with having the number one overall pick and having a first round pick in general because we didn't have one last year. Uh, So I just want to get into some of these guys um, at the Senior Bowl a little bit and talk about some possibilities for the Bears and the draft this season um, because it's really in full swing for us right now. So let's start with some obvious news that's been kind of going around. Albert Breer today kind of came out and was like, hey, the Bears have said they are moving forward with Justin Fields and they're looking to trade that first overall pick. There have been some rumors otherwise recently. Guys like Warren Sapp have come out and said, no, they're talking about trading Fields and drafting Bryce Young and all of these things. So I want to hear your opinion on Justin Fields comparable to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and what you see in that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, the, the circumstance that makes the most sense, I think, is the one that Albert Breer kind of put out there in the universe today. It's the fact that Bryce Young is a tremendous player. He's my top quarterback in the 2023 NFL draft, but I don't think that he is. And I did have him, I do have him graded higher than what I had Justin Fields, but I don't think that the difference is so substantial that you take a quarterback number one and you part ways with Justin Fields when I think the Chicago Bears are in a situation where you're just not ready to make that type of leap. I, I don't think that the, the roster is constructed in the sense that they're a quarterback away. I don't think that resetting the, you know, the time frame of a first-round quarterback is the right move right now because you still have three years of control over Justin Fields after this season, obviously, right? So I, I, I think that for me, Justin Fields took a massive step forward in year two. Year one, I had – a lot of question marks, and I, I honestly still do have some question marks about the ability to process and to work in the pocket consistently and just have kind of that internal clock in the back of his mind. But I think that you saw this year that the development he had from year one to year two is, is very promising. And I think that the Bears are in a situation where trade back while you can, while there's a quarterback up top this, of, of a Bryce Young's caliber, along with the C.J. Stroud and the NFL also, for some reason, really likes Will Levis. So if you want to kind of mortgage that pick to get as much additional draft capital as possible to trade back, I think that that's the way to go because I do think that Justin Fields 
is an extremely talented player, and with the right players around him, I do think that he can be a franchise quarterback. So I, I don't think that parting ways with him is a, a wise decision because I just don't think that the difference between him and, let's say, a Bryce Young up top is so much so that you make that jump just to get two extra years of, of quarterback control, in my opinion, from a contract perspective. Yeah, Ryan, we've kind of had that question mark around the Will Levis thing a lot in the last few weeks. <laughs> we've had these podcasts, but we are happy and open to anybody who would like to trade up to one. If it's Will Levis, that's great, whatever whatever they want out there. But let's jump to the Senior Bowl a little bit. Obviously, this last few days, we've seen a whole lot of the offensive linemen versus defensive linemen. We just started kind of seeing the wide receivers. But a big storyline, obviously, here in Chicago is that Coach Getze is coaching this year at the Senior Bowl. How much uh, it, does that give an advantage at all for the Bears when it comes to finding some of these players that could be kind of sneaky ones in the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think the Senior Bowl is a big opportunity because it, you have limited opportunities to get to know these players from a personal level. You know, they have scouts, obviously, from all 32 NFL teams here that are going to be able to sit down with all these all these players on both the national and the American team. But then you have, obviously, the Combine's a big opportunity, and then you have some, obviously, of the, the individual meetings beforehand. But I think that this is an extra opportunity for the coaches to get to see it live, you know, and, and for a guy like Getsy to get to see the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the offensive linemen, to get to see how kind of they maneuver in – in a very, I mean, it's a very stressful situation, right? Being, trying to learn a, you know, it's not a, it's not an advanced system. It's not like a super in-depth system, but learning that system in a short amount of time, getting to know players around you that you're not familiar with, being in a setting that is not meant to be comfortable. You're, you're meant to be, feel uncomfortable because they want to see if you sink, if you sink or swim a little bit. So getting the opportunity to see those guys in that type of setting, not just in the meeting room or on the whiteboard or watching some film. I think that that's a big bonus for a young staff, especially someone like Luke Getze, who has the opportunity to see some of the best senior offensive players and defensive players in all of college, all of college football and in this draft process. So I think it's a big added bonus and being able to see a different vantage point and how those players work in a on-field setting I think is a big bonus. So we've only had a few days of the practice so far. There's obviously still a lot of players that need to get out there and show themselves, but is there any names you've been hearing so far of guys that have really impressed people? Someone I've been seeing on the, on Twitter a lot, uh, Dewan Jones. He set the record for the uh, wingspan at almost like seven and a half feet. I saw so that's someone that I think probably is going to go up a little bit. You'd imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's really been an offensive and defensive line driven event so far. I, I mean, to be completely transparent, I don't think it's a tremendous senior year from a wide receiver, corner, secondary perspective. So I, I think that that's kind of what people have been focusing most on is. The trenches on both sides of the football. I mean, Dewan Jones had a really nice first day, obviously, yesterday. I mean, it was so good that him and his agent kind of, you know, were on the same page that they were just going to sit out the rest of the week and just kind of, you know, just kind of set on what he was able to accomplish in the first game, in the first day. But, I mean, you, you hit it. I mean, almost a 90-inch wingspan, which was the longest in Senior Bowl history. He was six uh, six foot eight and one eighth, 375 pounds, over 36-inch arms. I mean, the kid's just a massive human being, right? And you saw him working against guys like Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, where they are tremendous power rushers, but it's just it's almost an impossible task to be able to work against a guy that big who also has pretty good foot quickness. I question the bend in his hips, obviously, but, I mean, he is a powerful dude and incredibly wide to get around. So he's been a big guy. I've lo- I really love what I've seen from John Michael Schmitz on the offensive line, the center out of Minnesota. 
I think he's probably been the most consistent offensive lineman from day one to day two. I mean, he's just been kind of stoning guys on the American side of things. You know, some really talented interior rushers who just haven't been able to get anything on him in this pass rush one-on-one. He's been able to sit down on power and show his athleticism in the team setting to get out in space. So, I mean, he's done well. Jalen Duncan's an offensive tackle out of Maryland that I thought had a really strong day and has continued to build on it today, a really fleet-footed, long-pass rusher who's a true left tackle type at the next level. And then you have some defensive linemen that have had extreme flashes. You know, I think Isaiah Foskey's been a guy over the last two days from Notre Dame that has shown a lot of progress and a lot of twitchiness on top of being incredibly long, incredibly powerful, I'm a big fan of Will McDonald, who is a defensive end out of Iowa State, who was a very bizarre player at Iowa State because he was only played last year at probably about 227 pounds, playing almost a 4-4 I-Tech. But this week he was able to bulk up to 241 pounds. He has 35-inch arms, which is just an outstanding arm length for a player that hit, uh, that kind of plays his style. And he's a former 6'10 um, high jumper when he was in high school. So this is a really gifted athlete really springy, athletic pass rusher who's a true outside track guy. So I think that that's kind of encompassing of what you should expect from this draft is that there's some talent on the offensive line, although I think that it's a little bit of developmental, but the defensive line is really the bread and butter of this class. And I think you see that with what you're seeing in Mobile right now, a lot of defensive tackles, a lot of pass rushers. It's really deep, I think, on both sides of the on both sides of the trenches. Yeah, I mean, for a team that struggled mightily on both sides of the line, I think that's <laughs> the best news we could hear. So, yeah, I was like, you were speaking yeah. words to our ears because I mean, on both between letting 55 sacks happen to Justin Fields and then on the other side having the least amount of sacks and pressures when it comes to the defensive line. Those are two things we are majorly looking for. One name I saw a whole lot yesterday, um, Cody Malk, I believe that's how you say it. Um, I saw that he... Malk, yep. Malk, okay. He was all over, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, all of that. Do you, did you, what did you see out of him? Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a little bit developmental with, with how you have to look at him. I don't I don't think that he's a guy that year one you're going to get the most out of because he's still developing from a power perspective. But, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the most hilarious thing in the world for anybody out there that just kind of wants to go look at his profile for North Dakota State because there's a historical tab that you can look at and see kind of the progression of him as a player. I mean, he came to the, to the program as a 6'4", 230-something pound tight end, and now he's a, you know, listed at 6'4", 6'5", somewhere in that ballpark. And he's now over 300 pounds. And wow. I, I think that what's really substantial about him is that he's a really gifted athlete. That tight end background shows up on film tremendously. He's a really smooth mover, good lateral quickness, good ability to mirror and match and pass protection, just a lot of really nice traits. And he's kind of spent some time not only at offensive tackle, which he played at a North Dakota State this week, but he also has been playing a lot inside at guard. So Plays with a big, a great temperament, really nice athlete. The thing that needs to be worked on is obviously he needs to continue to get stronger and to really improve the improve the anchor that he has in pass protection because all the athletic traits are there. He's a really tough, physical kid as well. It's just about if you can really improve that power profile. I think he's a young man that could start at right tackle down the line. I think he could definitely start inside a guard. I even think that there's some teams that I've talked to that like him as a center as well. So he's got some alignment versatility, some positional flexibility, and I really think that he has a lot of traits to work with. It's just about kind of really 
accentuating those strengths and getting the most out of his profile because there is still some rawness, but there's a lot of upside to him. Yeah, those are some of the things. Just because I, I was seeing his name a lot, and sometimes you see those names because of their personalities, and he immediately it kind of took me back to like the Ben Barch Senior Bowl where it was just yeah. kind of quirky, and like immediately you're seeing all of these people give him attention because then it was his weird shake. This kid is missing his two front teeth, and it's just like kind <laughs> yeah, of it's funny. He mentioned it, but like quirky. I I think I I knew him much more as like the way he looked before I knew him as a football <laughs> yeah. player because like over the last two years that's gone viral at least like four or five times. So yeah. he definitely is someone yeah. that I, he's been on the radar for a lot of people um so some a, a story that doesn't affect the bears as much but i feel like it's been a big story nationally speaking recently stenson bennett you know he gets arrested uh in a time that the senior bowl is going on jim Nagy, president of the senior bowl comes out recently and says like yeah he decided not to come here i think it could have benefited a lot clearly you know with the situation he had going on with him getting arrested you know you didn't want that to happen do you think he's someone that would have sure. truly benefited from going there or like do you think he's just kind of in a bad situation right now and you know just unfortunate luck circumstances wise well, I mean, it's very unfortunate. I don't wish any negativity upon these players, especially in such an important process. You know, I mean, they're on the cusp of making millions of dollars and generational wealth, obviously, for them and their families. So I feel really bad that everything is kind of working the way it is. But there's just there's been a lot of red flags behind the scenes, to be honest with you guys. You know, it's not so much just the senior bowl thing, because I disagree with the, the decision that he made. I do, full-heartedly. Like, I, you know, you can accept the decision, you can say that it's his decision, and that's, you know, all true. But at the end of the day, I mean, he was being projected as a mid-to-late-round draft pick. Like, this wasn't a kid that was going to go in the first round. So I don't think it's a wise decision to just kind of rest on your rest on the tape that you had and just say, like, I don't have anything to prove. I, I don't think that's true. Like, I think you have a lot to prove, and – and, you know, people wanted to argue, like, oh, he's a 25-year-old guy and how much development does he have? It's not all about just what you do on the field at the Senior Bowl, you know? It's the ability to sit down with those with those coaches and with the, with the decision makers and the scouts and everybody that's in attendance and sell yourself, you know? Like, it's a resume-building process. And I, I don't think it was a wise decision because especially at the quarterback position for a guy like Stetson who's not going to wow anybody with physical traits, like, he had a chance to sit down – and really show himself and sell himself to a program. And I think he missed a massive opportunity. And then when you hear, obviously, what happens, you know, getting, you know, the public intoxication stuff down in, down in Texas, like, it's very unfortunate because, I mean, my first impulse is, like, that probably wouldn't have happened if you were, you know, training for the Senior Bowl or mm -hmm. if you were up, you know, traveling to the Senior Bowl. So it's unfortunate that all this stuff happens. But then you also hear things of, you know, that some scouts that he's had in conversations with, like there's been like this just weird, you know, kind of tension and, and him kind of portraying himself as a, a kid that kind of knows everything and doesn't need help. And it, there's just been really mixed reviews on Stetson from a wide scope. So, I mean, yeah, he could have definitely improved his stock. He could have really, I think, laid some of the stuff to bed that's kind of going on behind the scenes. But Right now, I think Stetson had a good opportunity to be drafted in, in April. And, and right now, I mean, I would bet against him being drafted right now unless something completely changes. Because now, I mean, he has the arrest on his record. He's got the, you know, the inability to showcase his talents in Mobile. And then he's got all this rumbling behind the field, is, uh, behind the scenes as far as his conversations with scouts and just how he's kind of presenting himself. So I, I think that it's very unfortunate, but he's kind of – you know, he's kind of built the bed that he's lying in right mm -hmm. now. So it's it's as, as unfortunate as it is, it, it was his decision on what's happening right now. Yeah, and I, the thing I'm most disappointed about in the whole thing is we didn't get another Baker Mayfield video of him just getting absolutely laid out by a cop or something when he got arrested. But, I mean, I couldn't yeah. agree with you more on all that stuff. I mean, I feel like the big question is Stenson Bennett of Georgia was just like he's surrounded by all of this amazing talent. 
can he actually do it when he's yep. not there? And the Senior Bowl would have been a great place to show that. You know, clearly he's like, oh, I can go party, celebrate the championship a little bit more and all that stuff. So, like, those do sound like some very negative attributes. So it's a little bit scary yeah. considering a guy who's, like, not for sure locked in to get drafted by any means, I'd say. Well, and that's what's interesting because we see the – I mean, we saw what happened to George Pickens last year, and that was just the rumblings of maybe his personality and him not, you know, some of the off-the-field stuff. And this is even more serious than that, and it's a player who was already not going to go very high. Yeah, right. And that that's the biggest worry, and especially, I mean – because this is a young man that isn't being projected to be a franchise quarterback. He isn't being projected to be one of the first couple guys off the board and to be a face of, of your football team moving forward. So in that instance, I mean, the best attribute a quarterback has as a, in a backup role is to be dependable, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that he isn't there and that all this stuff is happening off the field now there's going to be some questions that people are going to raise about how dependable and how much you can trust Stetson Bennett. And I mean, there's going to be a couple opportunities, you know, the combine and the te- and the meetings with the teams in, uh, individually. And there's going to be opportunities for him to, you know, dig himself out of this hole. But I mean, at this point, it's, it's tough to trust the guy right now with just everything that's going around the, um, uh, you know, off the field right now. So I hope he gets it together. I hope he's kind of, kind of, you know, get his get his draft stock heading back in the right direction. But right now, it just it looks very bleak for him, to say the least. Yeah, I agree, and I, and I I agree with you 100 percent because I'm never rooting for these guys to not make it. Like you, this is a chance of a right. lifetime for them. So I'm always rooting for them to be able to fix it and hopefully get drafted at some place uh, at some point. But you mentioned a little bit about wide receivers, and obviously you said you're not majorly impressed in any of this, or especially the depth of wide receivers. But I saw a tweet earlier, and you were talking about the Andy Isabella, how he dominated the Senior Bowl <laughs> the one year, and you you said these drills are des- designed for those type of wide receivers so that got me really interested because what are you as a coach as a scout what are you looking for when you were looking to draft a wide receiver especially within those first three rounds yeah it's a great question I was, I was talking to someone I think on Twitter about this earlier it's a fascinating conversation Taylor it really is because I think we need to understand that wide receivers all win in completely different ways you know and I feel like people kind of couple separ- the ability to create separation into just one bucket, and I don't. I don't put that into one bucket. For me, there's players that win as premier route runners. There's guys that win just based upon being a better athlete than the guy across from them. And then there's a, there's a bucket of wide receivers that win by creating separation in the air. And I, I feel like people don't talk about that enough, right? They think that separation is just – you know, separation in and out of breaks and that type of thing. But you can create separation in the air. You know, a lot of great receivers, the DeAndre Hopkins of the world, the Julio Jones of the world, they weren't incredible separators with route running, right? Like they were separators because they could win above the rim. They could elevate. So for me, there are different ways to calculate how successful a player is at creating that separation. That's the first thing I always look at. The thing that I look for is, okay, if you're a guy that separates in the air, do you have the traits that that, that, will, that that will translate to the next level? So if we're talking about a guy that's going to win in the air, do you have that height? Do you have the springiness as an athlete to get up and elevate? Do you have strong hands to win through contact? Those are the questions. If you're a guy that wins as a route runner, I need to know if you have good hip sync getting in and out of breaks. I need to know if you understand how to attack blind spots, where to set things up, how to stem. There's a lot of different attributes to how you win, but the, be- the more you can do in that regard, 
then the better of a player that you're going to be. So if you're a player like a Julio Jones who can separate as a big body wide receiver when above the rim, but can also separate because you're running in the four threes, then you're a guy that becomes not just a good player, a potential role player, but becomes a very good wide receiver that can win in multiple ways. So the more you can win is always the best. I, I really don't like these the, the one-on-ones for for um, for pass coverage and wide receiver one-on-ones at the at these events because it's predicated for wide receivers to win. And you see a lot of you know Andy Isabella was the guy that I threw out there, but I mean there's guys every single year that you look at and say you know, that yes they're getting open, but there's no safety help. There's no linebackers playing from the second level depth to kind of work into the zones. Those one-on-ones are, are meant for wide receivers to win, so I don't think they're a great indicator. I worry much more about what does it look like in seven-on-seven, seven? what does it look like on team drill. But, like, at the core of what, what I look for in a, a wide receiver is I need to understand how you win and is that translatable next level. If you can win in one way, you can play in the NFL level. If you can win in multiple ways, that's when you become a legit volume getter in the NFL. And then if you can win in all three ways, you're one of the superstars in the NFL wide receiver. So the more you can win, the more uh, separation you can create, the more valuable you are, in my opinion. So uh, I'm an Iowa State alum. You already mentioned the uh, big uh, other name for us we're going to have there, Will McDonald. The other big name, uh, Xavier Hutchison, our wide receiver, is someone who on Twitter a lot of people were actually giving some high praise to. Do you think he's someone that actually is you know, one of those players that's really setting himself apart, or would you say it's more like what you were just saying, where it's, he's succeeding in these individual drills and not in real game scenarios? Or is it also Twitter just hyping him up? That's That too as well. <laughs> I mean, Twitter's always going to hype up everyone, which is kind of the, the, it's a double-edged sword of Twitter, but I really do like Xavier Hutchinson for what he is. You know, I think that there, you, you can't, you can't misevaluate what he is because then you won't appreciate it. You know, he's not the flashiest athlete of all time, but he has a really wiry frame. He's got a big body. And I think that he plays with just a great understanding of how to get open and really strong hands. So he reminds me a little bit of Rashard Higgins that's played in the NFL now for a couple of years. You know, there's nothing flashy about him, but he just kind of gets the job done, you know, and that might only be a number three receiver. That might only be a number four receiver, but those guys are valuable because at his size, six, one and a half, 200 you know, plus pounds, I think that he's a guy that can be a dependable option, play with his size, play with his ability to have a big catch radius, strong hands, and then also contribute on special teams. I think he's the type of guy that will go down there, on a punt, on a kickoff, and and add extra value to your team. So I really like Xavier Hutchinson. I think he's going to get drafted on day three, and I think that he has the ability to have a role at the next level because he does some of the little things that aren't incredibly flashy, but they're just so valuable to building a football team, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, based on all the things you just described, I'd be more than willing to spend mm-hmm. a day three pick on him. And I mean, I already got you know oh, the little mean. connection there, so I'm a little bit biased. But... Yeah, yep. we have <laughs> we it. have. I feel like we have plenty of number threes and fours on the Chicago Bears. I'm looking for a number one. Um, yes, this but, is true. <laughs> but one more for you, Ryan, before we let you go, because obviously we've talked a lot yep. about the Senior Bowl and these guys that maybe we didn't know their names as much, but. The big thing is the Bears have the number one overall pick, and a lot of people are saying that the Will Anderson, Jalen Carter is the way to go, whether they stay at one or if they dra- if they trade back maybe with the Colts still trying to get one of those guys. What are your thoughts on Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, and who should the Bears get if they stick at, if they stay at one? Yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating conversation because I don't think there's a wrong answer to the question, right? Like, I think that Jalen Carter is, a, is going to grade out slightly higher than Will Anderson to, for me, which was a very big surprise to me when I f- 
started doing their final evaluations because I'm high on Will Anderson. That, that kid is a blue-chip player, you know, 6'4", 245, incredible bend, flexibility, can play in space a little bit too, which is really interesting. So he can do a lot of things, and obviously his production over the last two years at Alabama especially is eye-popping, right? Like he's a really talented football player, plays with a great motor, big fan of Will Anderson. But I think that Jalen Carter is the more rare player for what he is. You know, you just don't see that type of interior player that can disrupt the game at such high level. You know, he can play at the point of attack. He can two-gap. He can do all that stuff. But what he is as an athlete is special. You know, I compared him a little bit to Warren Sapp, who, you know, I, I don't like putting out those types of comps too often because I'm comparing him to a Hall of Famer, one of the best interior pass rushers we've ever seen. But I think that he has that type of upside. He can re- He's slippery rusher. He's really good with his hands on the interior, explosive, really good football player. And the good thing about where the Bears are in this draft with number one is that if you do trade back with the, with the Colts, one of those two are going to fall in your lap because mm-hmm. someone's going to take a, a quarterback at one. The Texans are probably going to take a quarterback at two. So you're probably going to get either one of Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. So I don't think there's a wrong choice in that conversation. Personally, I do, I do just side with Jalen Carter slightly just because I think he's a more rare football player, but not a cop-out, but I, really, I just don't think there's a wrong answer in that conversation. Now, what about if they go a little farther, maybe to seven with Vegas or nine with Carolina? Do you see them doing maybe grabbing a guy like Brazil, or do you see them going a different route? It, another great question. I, I would say that for me, Brzee's your last chance to get a legitimate top 10 talent on the defensive side of the football in the top 10. I know that there's guys like Tyree Wilson, Tyree Wilson excuse me, from Texas Tech that a lot of people like. I think he's a really talented football player. I just don't think he's a top 10 pick. I just really don't right now. And there's a lot of corners that you're going to hear. Like, I'm a big fan of Devin Witherspoon. Top 10 still is a little bit high for me. They're going to talk about guys like Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, who's a really talented corner, Joey Porter Jr. I think that the depth of the cornerback group is fantastic in this class, but I just don't think that there's a top 10 lock to me. So I think Brian Brissett is the guy that makes the most sense. One, because you already said it, you know, the Bears need help on the defensive line all over the place. And Brissett's a player that, I mean, he was recruited as a strong side defensive end originally coming out of high school. Like he played on the edge and obviously settled into more of a three tech nose roll for Clemson. And, he missed a lot of time over the last two years. You know, two years ago, he's dealing with the injury that obviously cost him a lot of the season. This year, the unfortunate circumstance of his of his daughter, I mean daughter, his, his little sister passing away from cancer was really unfortunate, but unfortunately he had to miss a couple of games due to it. So he's missed a lot mm-hmm. of time, but Brian Brissy has special talent. I mean, he's 6'5", 300 pounds, long arms, can play anywhere from a shade nose all the way up to a five at times. I think he's a special talent. It's just you have to kind of bet on the traits a little bit with him because he just doesn't have a ton of production due to certain circumstances over the last couple of years. Well, I just wanted to say thank you, Ryan. Um, a lot of good information there and a lot of players that now I have to go watch some film. And see. Ready to hit the YouTube. <laughs> yes, here we go. Um, but enjoy your, I guess, crazy next few months as you prepare for the draft. Uh, thank you both so much. I really appreciate it. Right, thanks. Have a good thanks. one. All right. Well, thanks to Ryan. Obviously, um, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, he is very, very well informed in all of these things. Um, there's, uh, I know a lot of the people. He w- got very technical on a lot of things, and I really liked hearing the 
the different the three types of separation. Uh, it's very interesting because it is at when you're watching a wide receiver and when you look at numbers, even when you look at I, I saw a stat recently talking about the Bears having, I think, the third lowest wide receiver separation this last season. Um, and now I'm curious as to like what level of that was it was it all three bad like who was any of them getting like a certain a certain one of those separations obviously we know there wasn't a whole lot because mm-hmm. there were, we just by eye you can see that type of thing but it makes me want to go back and kind of watch some of the games that things were maybe clicking a little better and see if some of those possi- some of those things were happening but it's also interesting because i don't know who i want Jalen or Will. I feel like it's, every I, everyone podcast, says the same someone says, well, someone yeah. says something different, I feel like, because yeah. Joe Marino was full on Will Anderson. Like, he's the best prospect. He's the best guy. He's number one on their big board. And he says, Jalen Carter, he has rated higher. And he loves Jay, like, he loves both of them. Yeah. But he says, Jalen Carter ha- has a slight edge over it. And so I'm like, I keep going back and forth. Oh, but, and then the one thing that I think, he pointed out about Jalen Carter is just like how, and we've talked about this briefly or probably more than briefly actually, but just how much he can help that interior and how much the interior helps the outside. Yeah. And I think that's what is going to be so interesting to watch this next few months, but obviously that's going to drastically change if they get an interior veteran guy. Yeah. And what I've meant by this, a lot of people are saying the same thing is, I don't think anyone's really had that strong of opinion. Yeah. They're all like, way. they're close. They're just, everyone's <laughs> yeah. just like, I like, you know, Jalen Carter for this, this, and that reason. But, like, if I end up with Will Anderson, I'm still thrilled. Yeah. You know? So, like, that's kind of more what I was saying, where it's just like, no one has really been like, Jalen Carter, don't pick Will Anderson. Yeah. You know? It's just like, you can pick Jalen Carter. I like him more. Yeah. But, like, Will Anderson is also a fantastic Yeah, like, choice. you won't, you're not getting, like, you don't need to be bummed if you have to take Jalen yeah. instead like, of Will. Yeah, it's not like the difference of, like, for example, drafting, like, you know, Miles Garrett number one and then yeah. Mitch Trubisky number two. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, it's not, not like that kind of difference. That. And so, But I, I am getting a little, I am starting to get a little anxious about the fact that, like, I do not want to, I really, really hope the Colts give us what we want. Yeah. Like, that's where I'm at right now in my mind because I get it. If you go to 7-9, you can get a guy like Brissy and I forgot about that. His sister passed away. I remember when all that was going on because they had, I remember seeing like a little special on ESPN or something, and it was about his sister having cancer and passing away. And it was like the first game he played after it. And it was like very emotional. Yeah, it's super sad. And like something else you know what's going to happen is like ESPN or ABC, that alternate broadcast they do, they're just going to all over that oh, on yeah. the draft night. And you're just oh, going to yeah. be crying. Everyone's gonna be crying. And it's going to be you like. You always see the sad stories yeah. on draft night. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I always cry a little. But, yeah. So somebody like that, obviously, he said is a good. But they need work. And so, like, to me, I'm just like, Colts, come on. Yeah. You need a I want four. I want four. <laughs> you guys want one. You've had 75 the Texans are at two. You got to yeah. hop them to get your guy. You do not want Houston to take your quarterback. It just it makes too the, much sense. That's really what it is at the end of the day. And I feel like it's so it's so rare that these trades that everyone's talking about like constantly is like end up happening. And like, yeah. that's a part of me that freaks me out so much, but it just really makes too much sense for that Colts trade. I know. And yeah. like for everybody. Yeah. For like everybody. all sides. And like, even like the Texans, you could yeah. argue with the same thing with but them. The, and like, then, you know, Houston's going to be on the phone because they know they that be Colts like, are going to be on the phone. Exactly. So they're going to be like, well, we'll give you this. But then the bears are going to be like, well, the Colts are giving us more because we have to trade down to four. Yeah. And for you, like, because the Texans aren't going to give us as much for one spot. The Colts, knowing they have to skip over Houston and move up those few more spots, are going to have to offer a little bit more. But we can still get one of the guys. Like, yeah, worst I, case, I really we're getting want, Will or yeah. Jalen, whoever Arizona doesn't want, whoever trades and up like, with Arizona. Ideal and that's scenario. Another quarterback doesn't. And that's an ideal scenario. Like, maybe 
uh, Arizona trades down to two, and we have our choice of the two of them. Yeah. You know, like that's very real oh, what possibility. What do we do? Then yeah. that's stressful. You know, maybe, maybe we trade out again. You know, maybe one of them is still there. Ryan, yeah. You make this decision and you better be yeah. right. I think something really interesting, though, going back to our conversation we were just having, um, something that he mentioned about Andy Isabella, I think that's very interesting because Andy Isabella was selected before DK Metcalf in their draft. And DK Metcalf is someone throughout the whole combine process, the whole thing was he got the initial bump of just like, oh my God, look at this guy. He's an athletic freak. And then almost instantly, when he had to actually start testing things, people were just like, he can't turn quick enough. He can't do this right. Yes, yes, whatever. Like, he's not good enough to be more than just a guy who runs fast and runs yeah. straight. And Andy Isabella, on the other hand, is someone who tested through the roof of the yeah. combine at senior days and all of this stuff. And they've had very completely opposite careers. Yeah. Where, like, DK has been nothing but successful. Mm -hmm. Andy Isabella, I can't think of one thing he's done in the NFL at this no. point. You know? So it's like, it's very interesting to see how, like, as much as these scouts and these tests we think project, you know, mm -hmm. who's going to be good or not. They're just completely wrong in that case. Yeah. And, and that's what that's when you start getting fooled by the measurables and yeah. the eye test type stuff. And as much as the eye test is good, there's certain times when you're those things happen. And we hear about these guys and they run this fast and they have this much separation and they haven't dropped a ball all the time, but uh, the whole time. But like he just mentioned, when you're not fully playing with the corner or safety that is having to guard you like as in an NFL game, it's a different world. And so that's when you have to go back to film and that's when you have to go back to like college because when these guys are at senior bowl and they're just, it's a lot of drills and it's cool. Like you can get certain things out of these drills, but they're not playing real speed football. Yeah. And then you also, the NFL is an even faster speed than college football. So yeah. you have to also say, okay, they could do it successfully at this level, but can they do it when you notch up the speed? Yeah. And I think something else to really look at is like, as you mentioned, like there is very rarely a scenario in the NFL where you're a talented receiver and you have a one-on-one -on -one matchup. Yeah. There's always some kind of help somewhere coming mm -hmm. and like, maybe they're not getting double teamed, but like, Having a safety over top just to prevent you from running straight yeah. makes it harder. Yeah. You know, so like not being able to deal with those things in the live game scenarios definitely is it's a lot more difficult for the scouts. Yeah. And something I do feel like the senior bowl really is, I think it's not more like, unless you are like a Dewan Jones where like your measurables just test to be like way crazier mm -hmm. than everyone thought. I feel like it's more something that like people don't want you to play poorly in rather than they want you to excel in. Yeah. Because you're, you're not, you're not just playing against college football players. Mm -hmm. You're playing against some of the best college football players. And you're no longer just like, you know, the best player on your team. You're the best player in a group of good players. So if you can still manage to be like successful and maybe not necessarily like look poor amongst that group, it probably gives them a lot more confidence in how you compete at the next level, I'd say. Oh, for sure. And you mentioned the Dewan Jones because, first of all, insane. Like if people do not know his measurements, he He's measured 6'8", 375, his hands 11 and 3 eighths. That's like double Kenny Pickett's. Yeah, <laughs> he's, Kenny and Pickett's like hand. something else I think he's got like. Arm 36, 5 eighth, wing 89, 4 eighths. So last year, the reason why Trayvon Walker, one of the reasons why Trayvon Walker shot up so much when it came to all of the measurables in the combine and all of these things, other than like the weird workouts he was doing and was getting some tension through that, his arms were 34. Yeah. And that was like one of the things where they were like, whoa, this guy has 36 and five eighths. Yeah. Because as big like, of a deal as it insane. is, like if you can grab the other guy before he grabs you, yeah, you have the advantage. That's what it's about. Yeah. yeah. And like he was playing next to Paris Johnson on the Ohio State offensive line. He's been looked at as possibly like the top tackle in this draft next to Saransky. And clearly, I feel like he kind of just got outshined a little bit being at the right tackle spot because like yeah. this guy is a physical freak. Yeah. So like I, he was like looked at as like a Ooh. second, third round pick before this. I'd be shocked if he's not a first rounder now. Yeah. Uh, someone like that would definitely be fun to have. That's a big guy, almost 400 pounds. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so this is the 
this is that time of year when we'll start hearing this. And like we kind of jokingly said with Ryan, like, is it just Twitter people saying they're good? Because you're going to hear there's going to be some sort of scout or there's a lot of people there that do their own podcasts and do stuff like that. And they get credentials for these things and they're looking for specific positions or a certain team or they're a you know an alum from a certain college so they're kind of into their guys and so when you're reading twitter you're like this guy's good this guy's good this guy's good man he was fast man he caught every pass wow this guy's big he looks like he can do this and they're posting the best clip of the day of that person um so you have to take some of it as a grain of salt like if you're there and you're being able to observe everything at once it's different but we're seeing a clip of one of these guys being able to handle their own against one defensive lineman, and maybe the next three they get crushed yeah. I mean, and pancaked, and we don't see you it. You see the highs and the lows. Yeah. You know, like if you're sick of someone that gets absolutely killed, you yeah. know, you're probably going to see that one. But like, if I you did s- see one of the Notre Dame. Who was it? One of the Notre Dame guys got the defensive pancaked. Man? Defensive like, end. Bad. Oh, got oh, got pancaked. Got pancaked. Oh, yeah, that's not yeah. Good. Like yeah. I was like, ugh. Yeah, there was, <laughs> not there was pretty. I don't remember who it was exactly, but there was this one running back trying to block a linebacker, and like he didn't even touch him. And I was just Zeke. like, yeah, his name is Zeke. Yeah, I, yeah, and like it's just yeah, like not great, not what you yeah. want, but. Yeah, the Senior Bowl is one of those times where like, you can really find the gems. And yeah. I do think having Ed C and the coaching staff there, it's going to be really helpful. And mm. I'm excited for it, which is kind of weird because I've never really been excited for the Senior Bowl. Yeah. But it'll be cool to see what comes out of it. So. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, that is another episode of Making Monsters. Uh, we'll have another one next week. And obviously, we'll know even more Senior Bowl stuff by then um, because it'll be completed. Uh, so we'll have a lot more on some of these guys. Hopefully, we get a guest who maybe we can talk about some of the like – what you don't want out of these guys, because with Ryan, we talked a lot about like, what do you look at for the wide receivers? What are you seeing the good out of the offensive linemen? Maybe we can get some of the bad, like yeah. who is not performing well? What do you look for to just say, no, this guy cannot be an NFL player? Um, things like that, because it'll be it'll be fun to just kind of hear the opposite, you know. So maybe we'll, we'll aim for that. But either way, uh, this has been so far a pretty fun. We made it through January. Now we've got to make it through February and March and almost all of April. It feels like years. <laughs> like as, as much as it's, I know it's going to fly by and we're going to be there and it's going to be draft night, but it just feels like such a long time from it now. It does. And, but all hey, right. it's it's exciting because we haven't done anything and we got all the potential in the world still. So oh, yeah. it could go amazing, but yeah, you know, maybe sure. it goes poorly. But I think it's going to go amazing. So All right. Uh, well, that is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. We will catch you guys next week for some more Senior Bowl draft talk. See you then. <laughs> Ooh. Mm-hmm.